Hey guys, I'm not sure about you, but I really struggle for a period of time. It's like, which agent should I use? Which manager should I use? What platform should I use? Should I consider a robot? Should I consider just using CPF or what, what should I do? There are just so many choices out there today. So we have moved on from a period of a lack of choice where brokers don't want to talk to you because you have too small capital to at this point in time, everybody wants to grab your eyeballs. Everybody wants your attention. Everybody wants to service you. So we struggle from choice paralysis, right? Too many choices, don't know what to do. And I'm going to share with you some pointers that I've established for myself to decide whether these personal finance managers are for me. So today's topic is the three pointers when choosing your personal finance managers. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. So good morning, everyone. I welcome you to another day with the Financial Coconut. In our podcast, we'll be debunking financial myths, discovering best financial practices, discussing financial strategies that fits our unique life. You get it. Ultimately empowering us to create a life we love while managing our finances well. And today's topic, three pointers when choosing our personal finance managers. Before we begin on today's topic, I'm going to share with you a small little story, which is kind of relevant. So we actually wanted to record this topic about two months ago when it was during the height of the COVID period. Everyone was in a lockdown and everyone was very emotional. And after I recorded it, I sent to our editor and our editor come back and asked me, bro, you sure you want to publish this? I'm like, yeah, important topic. What? He said, yeah, I know the topic is important, but you sound like, you are rich, brain farting. I'm like, oh, really? So emotional. Okay, never mind. Then we take a break. <laughs> so now that COVID is over, okay, at least not over. We are in phase two. And um, so we're recording this now during phase two. And I've shifted to another place where it's a little bit more calming, less emotional. So I want to give you good content, right? So we're going to attempt to re-record this episode to just share with you some thoughts about how do we actually pick our personal finance managers or how do I pick my personal finance managers? And before that, I want us to broaden a little bit about how we see personal finance managers, right? So they don't need to come in a human form and it's not all about insurance. You have your insurance manager to manage your insurance. You have your property manager to manage your properties. You have, you know, your investment managers to manage your investments, your bankers to manage all the flow, inflow, outflow of your money. And you can even use robots to manage certain elements of these things, right? So it is not just insurance agents per se, right? And I personally 
don't like to engage like one person to do everything, right? Um, let me just put it this way, okay? Like, I know there's some insurance agents out there that do like full suite service, right? So essentially, they, they call themselves a financial planner. They will plan every element of your finances, right? With your insurance and your investments as their predominant stuff. Of course, you can go into estate planning and all those kind of stuff, different elements, right? Um, which is not wrong per se, but sometimes I find it very difficult because there are certain elements of, um, how do I put it, conflicting goals, right? So when I'm trying to plan for insurance, essentially I'm trying to divert the risk, right? I buy, I pay someone a premium, I pay a company a premium. That means I pay them a little bit so that in any case something happened, they will take on all the risks that we agreed upon, right? Which is, let's say it's health insurance, then they'll take on my healthcare costs, like, essentially. Of course, there are a lot more details in between. So that is risk diversion. But if the same person manages my investments, then it's um, a bit interesting because investing is taking on risk, right? We want to take on you know, potential. We want to take on the future. We want to invest in equity. I want to invest in bonds. All these are risk-taking actions that is allowing us to get delayed gratification and allow us to make profits over time, right? So if one person is managing your risk diversion and also managing your risk adding on, right? Then I'm like, you're mm, quite quite Of course, it's not a, it's not hard and fast. You don't need to follow this. Everyone have their own unique viewpoints and I'm not going to tell you that you know these pointers are hard and fast that you need to follow these pointers to get your best uh, agents or your best managers that is not the truth um, these are some of the pointers that I use when I decide who to engage in different elements of my personal finance journey okay so now that we have established that um, it's not all about insurance agents there are property people there are bankers there are robo advisors they all are here to serve our different aspects of personal finance and they all in turn manage some elements of our personal finance. So with that, I'm going to bring us to my first point, which is I personally prefer specialist over generalist. Okay, no offense to generalists, but yes. I think inevitably the most prominent generalist out there in the personal finance space are your wealth planners law or your financial planners law, right? They do everything, right? From your insurance to your um, investments to your tax planning, wealth planning, they one-stop, do everything, right? So um, for me, I personally don't like uh, these kind of uh, arrangements, not because I think all of them suck. No, I don't. Although, honestly, I have not come across one that is like really wise and very trustworthy, um, in my view, okay, this is personal view. Uh, don't, don't attack me. And I think this is um, pretty normal in a sense. Okay, let me just use a story to share with you. So I'm sure everybody has this like favorite Tsuta store they always go to. And when you order, when you go to a Tsuta store, you order their, their famous dishes, right? Then you will always get, can go, go and order some other things that are not their famous dishes. And turns out that kangkong sucks or that tofu sucks, only that fish egg curry and the, the ha chong kai taste amazing, right? So I think when you are makaning, right, some, some dishes are nicer, some dishes are not so good and, and you are okay with it, it's palatable. But Singaporeans being Singaporeans, when you go to those huge ass hawker centers, right, where there are like tons of like level grade A kind of makan places, then you go to this one store and buy the barbecue chicken wing because it's amazing. Then you go to the other store, buy the satay because it's great. You know, then you go and buy the Hokkien Mee and then everybody have a good time and you will never complain, say, hey, that one not nice because you have selected everything from a specialist. The uncle auntie only sell that one thing for an extended period of time. So they know the ins and outs of what's going on in that one thing. 
So when we then bring that idea back to personal finance, I think it would be great if we can get the best barbecue chicken wing, get the best satay, get the best, everything the best, right? So, so that's the idea, right? When I work with my insurance agent, I only really want to work with them about insurance and that's it, right? And when I want to manage my money in terms of my investments, then I want to work with, you know, wealth managers or I want to work with, let's say, um, a robo-advisors. And I personally have a certain bias towards uh, robots or like algorithms or like tech platforms because I feel that they are consistently biased. I won't say they're unbiased, but because it's an algorithm, um, whatever input that I put in, they will give me the best advice based on that algorithm. The algorithm carries a certain bias because who, depending on who is building their algorithm, you know, that will influence what the algorithm shoots out in terms of its results. But at least it doesn't have the kind of like, oh, today I don't feel very well or, you know, I just talked to someone before and then, you know, which is, which is more a humanistic error when we're working with humans. So given that technology has moved on and we can have this kind of technology sources to help us do some of these things, yeah, I don't see an issue with working with uh, robots, right? So I'm, I'm personally quite interested in those kind of stuff. But whether or not you work with technology platforms or you work with the individual human, in whatever parts of personal finance that you are in, I personally feel that specialists gives you more insights, right? Let's say you want to buy a condo, you don't go and ask someone that is selling HDB all the time, right? It's a similar idea. So all in all, I'm personally very pro working with specialists, right? Not so much with uh, generalists, especially when there are more and more specialists out there and if you want to be even more focused about specialization, you can also ask that person, like, do they predominantly serve clients like you? Right, which is if you're a retiree, then you want to work with someone that's professional when it comes to retiree and estate planning and those kind of stuff that, that is more relevant to retirees. You don't want to talk to a young chap, 20, 30 years old, they haven't even gone into a retire phase or they don't serve a lot of those clients in the retire phase, then you, you get the idea, right? You want to look for a specialist that is specialized in that particular thing that they do and also specialized in the, the clients that they serve, right? So best, that is the best like, in my view. Don't be lazy, okay? Don't don't just go for one-stop solution. I know a lot of the discussion is, I am well, lazy, I don't want to go and look for this person, look for that person. But, you know, in the field of personal finance, if you can spend a little bit of time to, you know, I mean, you're really listening to the podcast, right? So you're really interested to learn a bit more. So if you are in that field of, you know, willing to spend a little bit more time to optimize your personal finance and try to inch yourself closer to a life you love, then yeah, definitely try to work with specialists rather than, you know, um, just one, one person do everything for you, okay? Which brings me to my second point, which is he, she or it you know, must be able to clearly describe the limitations and assumptions of their strategy, because uh, most often people can tell you why is it good, but they find it very hard to tell you why it's shit. Okay, so we'll go into that after a word from our sponsor. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. 
Okay, so last week's content that I posted about why I don't buy unit trust and there was a small little backlash and it is cool because I get to listen to the other side of the discussion, right? Which is why in the first place, I kind of want to do this because there's no perfect answer. There's no right answer per se. And to me, personal finance needs to be that dining table topic so that everybody can air their thoughts, air their views and we can become stronger after the whole discussion. So there are many nuances depending on how you see it. And while I stand by, you know, my view of like why I don't buy unit trust because it doesn't fit my context, fits my palette, my strategy, you can, you know, decide how you want to do it. The central point is that there is no best strategy without a context. Right? And it, sadly, in this space, many people are salespeople. Whether it's a platform or individual, they are trying to sell. Okay, and okay, like maybe not sadly. Lah, the, the reality is salespeople are trying to sell, right? We buyers, we need to be smarter, right? They, you know, you imagine you hire a salesperson and not selling is quite also. But the problem is many people are not trained to talk about the downside, right? They have a certain narrative that they're trying to peddle and they don't talk about what are the, the downside, what are the caveats. And I tend to want to hear them talk about the caveats, right? To me, when you as a manager can tell me the caveats, like maybe if I buy a unit trust from you, the caveat is that the fees are higher because I'm going through a middle person, right? I'm buying through a, a wealth manager, I'm buying through an insurance agent because I need to pay myself. I need to pay the company. So the fees are higher. And that is the caveat, right? And in that sense, that means our profit needs to be higher as compared to just buying straight index funds, you know, that are much cheaper, right? And they perform aligned with the market. And for proponents of index funds, they need to be able to tell me that, you know, when you buy index funds, you can essentially forget about beating the market, right? Because that is a central idea. You're not trying to beat the market. You are the market, right? So in times of bad depressive period, like maybe in the next few years, it will, it will lie low for a period of time, then index funds will not yield you anything or, you know, limited things for the next two to three years. Or anything like a bond or like fixed D, you know, just have a cash uh, platform, manage, cash management platform out there, very famous these days, right? Because recently all the interest rates come down. They need to be able to tell you that if the interest rate environment across the board, which means like if the Fed brings down their interest rate, the MS brings down their interest rates, um, they will find it very hard to give you that same interest and they may adjust their returns, right? Because the interest rate environment is so cheap, they cannot find yield, they cannot pay you that kind of rate that they prior agreed and marketed as. So I think I cannot cover everything. Uh, the different tools have different caveats and different kind of ups and downs, the positives and the negatives. So make it a point to always ask the manager or ask the platform that you're working, email them, even if it's a tech platform, email them, ask them what is the limitations, what are the assumptions that they have and what are caveats uh, you know, in their strategy, right? So if they cannot give you some sort of caveat or limitations or assumptions in their strategy, then there's a very good chance that they don't exactly understand what they're doing or um, they may be a little bit overconfident, right? Because I personally believe that every strategy has its time, place and position you know, and it's not all the best, right? It's, we want to hear a fuller story. And for all of you who are new and you don't really understand a lot of these kind of things, it's okay, go shopping. Go and meet 10, 20 people. After all, you will know, right? Because they will start to share with you some similarities or read some books, you know, or watch some videos. I mean, these days, content is everywhere. The, the challenge, challenging part is what content works. Lah. So if, if you have something interesting and you want to clarify, come to a Telegram group, come to the Facebook discussion group, share it and we can talk about it, right? But what you need to understand is that if you don't understand a lot to begin with, it is okay. Just go shopping, go and see around and you will get a better idea over time. Which brings me to my third point. The third point is 
I want to know their compensation structure. Right. To me, this is very important. I'm going to share with you why. Number one is, if you're working with a digital platform, I think um, it is very clear-cut. They will share with you their compensation structure. Uh, but also definitely look out for fine print because sometimes it's marketing, right? Marketing brochure, very big, 2.1% interest. Then half a year later, they tell you, oh, we're going to uh, reduce the, the returns because got fine print, got one dot down there. Right? So make sure you're going to read the fine print. Make sure you're going to read those dots. You know, Don't, don't lazy, right? Just go and take some time and read. But generally, when you're working with tech platforms, um, whether is it like Property Guru or 99.co or you know Stash Away or different robo advisors, you know that that they have a much clearer kind of compensation structure. They will write it out and they will show it to you. So I think that is uh, fair. Just need to read Pialanto. Okay, but when you're working with humans. Okay, when you're working with humans, uh, whether it's like your wealth manager, your insurance agent, property agent, etc., make sure you ask them about their compensation structure, because I want them to feel vulnerable as well. To me, this is important because when I reach out to them, I'm gonna give them all my information. You know, all my information. They will ask me, you know, how much am I making? How much savings do I have? What kind of assets do I have? What kind of debt do I have? Etc. Etc. They will get all the information about me, so they know everything about me, but I know nothing about them. I don't know they are, how much they are making. I don't know, you know, blah, blah, blah. And of course, if you can grill them and try to get them to show you everything, okay, that's that's good, right? If I believe it's more information evens out that power dynamics because it is definitely very challenging when you're talking to financial professionals. Um, they tend to position themselves as they know it a lot, which not wrong. They do know a lot than us, but you know, we very vulnerable, ma. First time we talk to you or, you know, like we got to tell you everything, but you're not going to tell us everything about yourself. So when I look at it, at least I want to know their compensation structure so that I bring, bring the power balance back to a, a little bit more balance, right? So that both of us can chat and really talk about things rather than them having full control and all the information about, about us. And number two is that when I know their compensation, it makes it easier for me to sniff out their biases, right? Or their incentives. Essentially, if someone has a sales transaction kind of structure, then they will they will hope that I can buy and sell more, right? Because they, they make more, right? Uh, which is why a lot of your, those kind of sell one property, sell one HDB, buy two private property insurance, uh, property agents, they, they, are, they are very prevalent. They push that because if you think about it, you sell one to them and you buy two, they make three transactions from your one deal, right? So they have a certain sales transaction bias, Right, so that's something to recognize, right? Of course, there are other kind of biases, like um, if their incentive is based on a total volume, right? That means the more you put, the more money you put with them, the more money they make because they charge management fees, right? So then you really want to question, like, I, I, if I put money with you, you charge me management fee, okay, it's fine, but are you gonna, are you gonna help me profit? All right, that's that's the, the question. And what about uh, other people that charge like hourly rates, right? So then their incentive is to spend more time with you, right? So then you got to recognize these things, right? How much time you're willing to spend with them, you know, and is there value spending this much time or are they just talking cock with you so that they can drag longer and spend more hours with you? But yes, there are 101 ways to choose your personal finance managers and I am i don't think I have all the answers. I'm sure you guys have your little tips and tricks and quirks when you look out for, you know, which kind of managers to work with. So definitely reach out to us and share with us more about how you choose your personal finance managers. But I'm going to sum up today with these three pointers. Number one is I prefer to work with specialists over generalists. I believe that specialists spending more time in whatever vertical that they do can provide me more insights. Okay, so to me, that is important. When I'm working with someone in a field that I'm not familiar, I want to work with someone that has deep insights. Number two is 
he or she or it must be able to clearly describe their limitations, their assumptions of their strategy because I believe that every strategy has its pros and has its cons. There's no best strategy without a context. Number three is that I want to know their compensation structure because I want to protect my personal incentive at the same time have that power balance so that we can have a better discussion rather than having feel like you know I'm being talked down to. So that's all for today and I hope you learned something useful. See ya! Hey, I hope you learned something useful today and truly appreciate that you took time off to better your life with the financial coconut. Knowledge is that much more powerful and interesting when shared, debated and discussed. I hope you share what you've gained with people you love and I want to hear from you. Give me some questions and help me along with building our community of financially savvy coconuts. I hope together we can fulfill our curious minds and our desire for clarity. Join our community telegram group, reach out to us on Facebook, everything is in the description below. And if you enjoy the podcast and feel you want to keep us growing and stay independent, do buy us a Kofi at Kofi.com. With that, have a great day ahead, stay tuned next week, and always remember, personal finance can be chill, clear, and sustainable for all. Okay, test, test. Um... I hope you guys enjoyed today. I definitely learned a lot uh, since publishing last week's episode. I learned more about um, different views of how unit trust works and I learned more about you know, the different uh, nitty-gritties along the way. So I, I think that's good, right? Uh, when I throw my views out, people uh, be more critical about it and I can learn more things while, uh, while we all learn together. So I think that's cool. Fundamentally, um, choose the managers that you enjoy working with um, with a certain kind of you know, caveat lah, right? I, I just hope that these pointers help you in choosing the people that ultimately can serve you well or, or the platforms that ultimately can serve you well, right? And work with the products that, that uh, you're comfortable with, right? Because there are 101 products out there, there are 101 strategies out there. Ultimately, you know, it's not all about profit maximization. It's not all about cost cutting. You know, we want fair lah, huh? We don't want to be like, we don't want to be paying like, like, like dumb, right? We don't want to be paying crazy numbers, but we don't need to be like cheap you know, all the way cheap, you know, and we don't need to be making sky high returns, but we want to make fair returns, right? Ultimately, uh, anchors on your goals. That's cool. And for next week, we're going to switch up the episode a little bit. We wanted to do another episode, but we decided that, okay, next week, we're going to um, bring a friend back, right? Essentially, Samuel, uh, he is quite a big proponent of like, you know, uh, self-employed, how to manage money with self-employed and those kind of stuff. Uh, and we actually did a live discussion with him uh, way earlier, maybe a few months back on our Facebook page. So if you have not watched that, definitely head over to watch that. But we're going to crop out some of his pointers and put together a, a three-pointer a three pointer series of the things that can empower you in your kind of financial security for self-employed people. Because I think, because I think during this like COVID situation i think a lot of self-employed are struggling so he has some good tips and tricks and we're gonna like make it a thing for next week's episode and we're gonna comment on what he says so that that'll be fun uh, a different structure we'll see you next week 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 